0: You are listening to Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition Podcast, Episode 026.
1: Welcome to the Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition. This is the only podcast that will share and teach actionable and biblical marketing strategies to empower you, the value based business owners, and Christian entrepreneurs. Learn to communicate your message effectively in this noisy world so you can finally earn more, serve more. More and give more. Now, here is your host Kelly Botter.
0: Hello, Kelly Botter here. Welcome to God the MBA Podcast. Entrepreneurial journey is not easy, and most of the resources out there are talking about from where they were and now where they are, all great and successful. But how about the in between ups and downs? the grinds and grits, and that's part of my mission to bring the realness side of business to you. My hope is when you hit a wall, well, which you will if you are on this journey, you will be reminded what are you listening now that you are not alone and you surely can overcome it. Our guest today is Mark Esquid. He is a serial entrepreneur who has built globally successful design and marketing and digital business since he quit his job in 2005. A passionate podcaster, perpetual learner, and helpful bloke now. For those of you that me are not British, bloke means fellow or man, okay? Mark has an enduring wife, a giant dog, and an embarrassing beard. I am reading from what he gave me. So whether embarrassing or not, well, check him out. In today's episode, we chat about Many different facets of business and lessons, such as Mark's valuable lessons about how to start your episode one for your podcast, and why underestimated community building and participating is the most dangerous thing for your business. Also, the right focus for three different stages of business so you don't waste your time money and resources in the wrong places and so much more can you tell it's a jam-packed interview i hope so now let's check with mark Hello, Mark. So happy that you are here today with us.
2: Hey, Kelly. Good to be here. You're doing great work as ever.
0: Thank you. So, Mark, well, before this conversation, actually, I already introduced you to my audience. They know you have such a massive experience and knowledge uh, in this journey. But just for the sake, of those people that don't know you yet, can you kind of share with us where you're from and how did you start your entrepreneurial journey and now especially to the podcast website business.
2: Yeah, for sure, I'd be, I'd be delighted to. So I'm sort of the classic millennial guy. I was always the, the kid that was bored at school and at, you know everything everything kind of just bored me. I was always that guy and that was true of work as well. You know, I did the usual get a job scenario when you get a little bit older. I, I come from a, a little town in, in the north of England called Barnsley, which is this really weird town because it had a massive mining industry which was totally decimated in the 80s. Through the '90s, when I sort of grew up and my—I wouldn't say formative years, but certainly my education years—there wasn't that much opportunity. So I was—I used to really struggle with that, and that led me into getting a job just to kind of pay the bills and to get the experience, um, which then led me into entrepreneurialism. I realized that I was wasting a lot of my time and a lot of my life working on things that I really didn't care about. And you know what it's like—you know, entrepreneurs are like having ideas and never a problem. I was always the guy that had ideas, and. It was actually the execution on those that is very often the problem. So that's kind of what got me into being an entrepreneur, this idea that I was just wasting my life in an office working for people that I didn't really care about that much, working on projects that I didn't care about. And just the only way for me to progress in that was to work more and more and more and more and more for these tiny incremental increases in salary, which I thought was ridiculous. You know, this is this is way too slow um, for me, I don't, I don't want to do this. It's way too slow. So yeah, that, that sort of led me to be an entrepreneur when I quit the job and, and just moved into setting up a design agency. My background is sort of web design and development, and now I'm not a designer, but I'm a, I am ai guess I'm a, a talker, a communicator, and I knew that people had a, a problem. But kind of back in 2005, people had a problem with decent website designers, so I set up a decent web design company which then turned into a, a design agency. And I still sit on the board of that today, it's called Hacksaw. And you know we work with people at Adobe, we work with people all over the world, Art Directors Club of New York, we work with Fortin and Mason in London, we do some really good work. And I guess that's my sort of standard business, that's the original business, that's the thing that I set up and that still runs, and was my first bout of entrepreneurialism, if you like. And then, I think about four years ago maybe, maybe just less than that maybe 3 years ago i got into podcasting through i was actually doing a dc comics podcast which i think i'm going to i actually think i'm going to restart that with a friend of mine um, yeah it should be kind of nice and i don't know you can't quite see it, but basically everything everything in my entire home office here where i'm sat is comics based i've got stuff on the walls there's a you can just see the batman and superman picture there so i'm like a big geek and i got into podcasting through this geekery um, one of the guys that I was working with said, do you want to do a DC Comics podcast? And at the time, I said to him, why would I want to do a podcast? This is not 2006. Podcasts are dead. No one's listening to them. <laughs> and I got into podcasting. He, he, he got me into it. I've got I owe a heck of a lot. He got me into podcasting. And then I started a business show to get some of the experience out of my head and help other people. It was um, volume one of that show, which is called Excellence Expected, is around... We all as entrepreneurs want to achieve excellence. We all want to strive for better. And to be honest, we're pretty hard on ourselves. You know, we don't always give ourselves the break or we don't always separate the small wins. So I set up this show called Excellence Expected, which was very much around each episode, focus on one problem, define, challenge and conquer that problem with the help of people like Chris Ducker or people like Chris Marr or Guy Kawasaki, Chris Brogan, John Lee Dumas, all guys that you respect and you know people that, that know what they're talking about. And that then, being a podcaster and being a guy that knows about web and knows about digital marketing and knows about all that kind of other stuff that you need to build a business, I realized that podcasting is one great thing and marketing and digital and web is another great thing. But actually, to be a podcaster, you need a little bit of both. And if you are a beginner podcaster... You want to spend time learning about podcasting, so then we developed this idea of podcast websites, which is um, I'm actually wearing the t-shirt now. It's the the idea that we will provide all of your software, everything that you need to get your podcast online. Let us do all of the heavy lifting, all of the all-in-one media hosting and the stats and the website design tools, everything, just to solve a problem for podcasters. Because even though when I started, I thought podcasting was dead. It turns out that I really love podcasting, and that everyone else does too. So, yeah, that's a bit of a in a nutshell history, really. A bit of a like a really that's a really quick previously on Mark Asquith.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that kind of uh, tell us that why you chose to serve the podcasters. You know, I mean, you can cho- actually choose to serve other industries as well. Uh, that's a
2: really good question, actually. Yeah, I mean, like, why would you serve podcasters? That's a really I've never been asked that before. It's a good question. And I think the genuine answer to that is podcasters are really passionate people. People start podcasts about DC Comics or about business or about, you know, you think about Jo in the, over here in the UK. She talks about crafts and knitting and it's the stuff that people are really, really passionate about. And it's a pretty democratic environment, podcasting, you know, realistically, you can You can do what you want, you know, no one's telling you what you can and can't do. But the big stopper is the technology. It's always going to be the technology because some people just aren't technological and they don't want to be. It's not that they're wrong. It's just that they don't want to be technological. And then the guys like me that, you know, I've been building websites for so long. I've been building platforms and systems and talking about startup problems, which leads me down the path of actually what do customers want? What's the need? And I just realized that actually, podcasters are really passionate people who have got a voice that they can very easily record. But when it comes to putting their stuff online, it becomes really difficult. You know, why do you need to mess around with a separate media host, to a separate website provider, to a separate website support person, to a separate designer or developer? And also, why, as a podcaster, there's blogging software out there why do we as podcasters have to make do with blogging software, have to make do with other web publishing software? Why is there not a web platform tailored to podcasters? So that's why I chose to serve those guys was that I just thought we were, I thought we were compromising. And um, I thought that the industry was, this is going to get me shot, but I thought that the industry was really old. Um, I thought that the industry was in need of a, bit of a more helpful attitude you know when you look at some of the companies providing certain things in the podcasting space I felt that customer service and helping people genuinely wasn't always top of the agenda and I thought that's that's not how I do business I want to be that helpful person so that's why we chose podcasting and I I love it I think it's great so many passionate people doing it
0: yeah that's true what would you say what are the common Struggles for podcasters on top of the website?
2: Yeah, well, obviously it is the tech. Um, that's one thing. And I'll, I'll not mention that again because we sort of talked on that. But I think the the biggest single problem that I find is people wanting to copy what other people are doing, you know? And whether that's in format, whether that's in tone of voice, whether that's in publishing frequency or whether that is in just the way that the entire show is pitched. A lot of people just want to do what the other people that are successful are doing. You know, you see a lot of people copying Entrepreneur on Fire. You see a lot of people copying so many different podcasts. And, you know, I love John. He's a great friend. But, you know, he's very good at what he does. Be good at what you do. And I think that's a big challenge. And I I don't think, like, that's not a slight on anyone that's in podcasting because I think, listen, if a formula works, then a formula works but it just gets very saturated. So I think that's the biggest problem where people don't necessarily know how to stand out from a crowd. They don't know how to, or they don't feel comfortable having their own voice. Even though it's a medium that thrives on our own voice, a lot of people still want to be like someone else. And, you know, I don't think that works. And that is a big, big problem. And To compound that problem I think that people then start to look at the podcasting numbers so they see people with sponsors, they see people with these massive download numbers, they see Chris, they see John, they see Pat, they see all of the big guys out there in business or in comedy or in sports with all of these big numbers and they think well from day one I must have those numbers. So, audience outreach, audience growth becomes this huge issue. But it genuinely is all down to the fact that they've not yet found their own voice. They've not yet become comfortable being themselves. Like, I can completely speak on this because I was, when I did sort of maybe episodes one to 50 of Excellence Expected, if you go back and listen to them, like, I suck. I'm really <laughs> bad because I didn't know how people wanted me to be.
0: Thank you for encouraging, Mark. This won't be the 100th yes, so I know I will be sucked. Okay.
2: (laughs) You suck. No, 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 seriously. I mean, you've got, to be fair, the way that you are pitching it is very honest, and I like that because that's what I got wrong. Um, You know, you, you are letting your own personality shine through, and I didn't do that. And working at podcast websites and running the business how I run it, we see a lot of podcasters doing this. You know, we actively mentor people, actively talk to people, and Like I say, if you listen to the early sessions from my show, I was not this. I was not this kind of weird, make terrible jokes, be a little bit sarcastic, tell people you've got a dog and read Batman kind of guy. I was this quote-unquote professional business person. Like, that sucks. And it was was because that's what I thought people wanted. So I'd not found my own voice yet because I was looking at what everyone else was doing. And that, for me, that's the biggest problem that podcasters have is that they are – especially in business podcasting, they just want to be John Lee Dumas or Pat Flynn or they want to be Amy Porterfield or Jeff Goins or whoever, you know, they just want to be those guys. And you can't do that because Jeff Goins is Jeff Goins and Chris Ducker is Chris Ducker and you're Kelly Beatty. You know, you, you've got to get whatever makes you fun and whatever makes you the person that people talk to in the pub, you've got to get that out on your podcast. And that's really tough.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I guess maybe this is something to do with a little bit about age. First of all, for me personally, uh, I did not want to do a podcast because I thought, well, who, who, you know, who am I? What on earth? People want to listen to me. Especially I'm not British or American. We don't have, I don't have the beautiful accent that you guys have. So from the very beginning, I thought to myself that that would be very tiring if I'm going to copy somebody else because later I don't want to be... You know, when I meet somebody in person and, and then they see me, they say, well, you look different or you sound different when you are in podcast or when you're in the video. I see that would be very tiring way to live, really. So for me, for me, it's like I kind of made a decision of either they don't like me or they like me the way I am. It's uh, a good
2: way to be. I think, you know, that, that whole, a good friend of mine, Brad Burton, who set up, in the UK, a company called four networking about 10 years ago. And he's really come into his own as a speaker, as a, as a motivational speaker, as a content creator and just an all around very good businessman a very good person. And he's got the most, like he's the most genuinely authentic person that you are likely to meet. You know, you, you you either, you either love Brad or you, you you just don't like him and that's it. But he knows that he gets that. And you know, I'm, I'm the kind of same guy. I'm from the North of England. So we're pretty thick skinned and, Try being a Northern English person. You'll you'll completely get this and relate to it. Being a Northern English person in a world of Americans is very tough because like you, I don't have the beautiful Chris Maher Scottish accent. I've not got Chris Ducker's very classically English Cockney accent. I don't know if he's born within the bells or not. So I don't know if he is a Cockney or not, but he's got the Southern, the London accent. And then you've got the Americans who all sound like they have got more enthusiasm than than anyone on the planet. And so I get that. and I think that's where it becomes kind of interesting that you allow your personality quirks to just come out. Like I make terrible jokes, but I always <laughs> make terrible jokes. and i'm I'm like a really when you get to know me a little bit, i'm I'm just a complete sarcastic pain in the backside. But that kind of comes across. When I talk to people, like I had just like you've had Chris on the show, uh, I had a really good chat with Chris a while ago, and because i I know Chris well. We have a bit of banter, you know he was winding me up I'm winding him up, and that's our personality but if if you transport me back to episode one or two of the show, I would have been yes chris okay let's talk about let's talk about business uh, and it just you know no one wants to listen to that content, so it is a challenge, and being completely genuine it's funny because the more that you podcast obviously the better that you get and it's interesting to look back at your first episodes because no matter how good you think you are, you always improve. And that's not to say that the first episodes aren't good. You just improve. It's just very natural. And I think one of the things that podcasters really, really also struggle with is just just kind of taking a little bit of time to make fun of themselves and say, do you know what? Episode one might not be where I want to be in 10 years' time or a year's time or three months' time, but I'm going to hit record and I'm going to let the world hear it Because episode two will be different and episode three will be different. And even at the end of episode three versus the beginning, I'll have got into a stride and that will be better. And most people don't... The people that don't start a podcast generally do so because they don't believe that anyone wants to listen. Hmm. And I would always challenge you to think about the idea that if you were to stand in a room of 50 people and be booked to talk and those 50 people turn up and then they turn up the next week and they turn up the week after, even if it's 50 people... That's a lot of people that want to hear you talk. Or if you're in business, people must want to hear you talk because you have a business. So they trust you and they believe you. Even if you're a solopreneur, if you're someone that is working a nine to five and wants to get into business, believe me, you don't keep a job if people don't want to listen to you. Because you, just, you, you are labeled as the person that's antisocial or you know no one wants to get along with. So believe me, people do want to listen to you. So you just got to press the record button and just start, you know.
0: Yeah. So what are some top tips for podcasters? Or let's say, I'm sure actually this is not just apply for podcasters, uh, also basically content marketing practitioners. What would you say that, you know, is somebody just getting started? What should they pay attention to?
2: That's a really good question. And I think like the simple, the, the very simple answer is that you always need to focus on growing your email list. You need to focus on building your own your own data, your own your own castle on your own land, which is your email list. So that's a very obvious one. And I'm pretty sure that that comes up very, very often. But what I would say, the next thing that I would say is in the early days, it's very easy to be disheartened by the numbers. Very easy, whether you're a blogger, whether you're a podcaster, whether you are some kind of videographer or video blogger, whatever that is, it becomes very easy to be distracted by what you think are low numbers. And the tip that I always give to people and almost kind of challenge people with is focus on those as people. So don't think about 30 downloads for your podcast as being low numbers. Think about it as being, these are 30 real people. How can I get to them? How can I interact with them? How can I make them see that I'm a real person? How can I look into their eyes and see what they want from me, whether that's a Facebook group, whether it's an in-person meetup, whether it's inviting people on a Skype video call, whether it's a one-to-one session. You know, I've tried all of those and they all work. In fact, for podcast websites, I'm the guy that runs it. And, you know, we we sort of, John, myself and Kieran are the real faces of the business. But anyone that signs up gets a one-to-one with me. That's it. There's not, they don't get the tech support team, they they get me, the guy that thought of it. So the reason for that is that each person is a person and each person can help not only your brand, but it can help you understand how you can help other people and you can help them with what they want. So that's the thing that I'd say. If you're a blogger, if you're a video producer, if you're a YouTuber, if you're a podcaster, right from day one, focus on getting to know your audience as people. You know, we mentioned some some people in the pre-interview chatter, so people like Chris Ma and Chris Ducker again. You know, th- these are all guys that I know because they were part of my audience really early on and we got to know each other and really focus in on what's going on. And likewise, I've been a fan of theirs since, you know, almost since the day that they started. And if you get to know people, you will be very, very surprised at what can be achieved, whether that's financial goals, whether that's success-based goals, or whether it's just building a network of friends that you actually just enjoy. You know, that, that is a such an under underrated thing because what tends to happen, especially in podcasting, people want to grow a big number. So they'll instantly start a podcast and they'll say, right, I want to hit like 5,000, 10,000 downloads very, very quickly per episode. And so they'll focus on these transient people. They'll focus on taking an audience that was there mm. episode one, episode two, episode three, and they'll ignore those people that are there all the time. And they'll try and acquire new people, which is, you know, you need to acquire new people. But it's like when you turn up at a bank and they say, Well, we've got this offer on, but it's only for new customers. What about the guys that have always been there? You know, mm-hmm. what about those guys? And for me, that is such a key thing. Focus on getting to know the people that are there from day one because they will always be there if you treat them right. And they, are, they will rise to the top as your biggest advocates. And that you can't, you, there is no way on earth that you can buy that. So you've got to focus on those guys.
0: That's such a, a great tips and uh, advice. I think today, actually, I just shared a, a video from Gary right? He talked about the customer service. In the end of the day, we kind of all know Gary about a hustling guy, but actually, he also is excel in the customer service. Uh, The retention, otherwise, you know, it's not possible that his his business business can grow so fast and then can uh, sustain its way. And let's also talk about, you know, we all know that that you and me, Mark, we met each other in different occasions and in the communities and things. I think I also kind of see a lot of podcasters when they are alone. It's difficult, isn't it? When you are not be part of a group of people that will support you, Maybe you can uh, mention, you know, share a little bit of that with us about the community aspect of uh, things.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, entrepreneur and 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 now podcaster or blogger or solopreneur isolation, I think, is one of the most dangerous things that can happen to anyone in business. You know, my my first ever business was was a small web design company that that really suffered because I just sat there in the studio building things and developing things for clients. But the problem is the pipeline ran out. So, you know, if you're a service based or a product based business, you have to build a pipeline. And the only way this is a really pr- sort of very pragmatic business a statement. But the only way to do that is to get out and just see people. And I don't even mean sell to people. I mean, just get to meet people. You know, Dory Clark and Carrie Anderson and, and uh, Judy Robinette and all those fantastic ladies over in the States talk very much about your net worth being in your network. And that's very, very true. And you just have to meet people. But to speak on the point around community it's so vital to one be a part of a community but also build a community and to touch on the latter part of that first you know we've got a a, a big community down at podcast websites we've got sort of 1600 facebook members we've got hundreds and hundreds of of podcast websites actual paying members and to turn up at somewhere like podcast movement and give out these t-shirts and buy pizza for 50 of these guys and You know, but I have have guys like John Lee Dumas and Kate there, and really mixing this crowd up together that just respond to the product that you've created or the service that you've created, and where you can learn from them and you can help them in the same way. To step out of your studio and see that that is what you've created, that will fuel you for the next two or three years. That one injection of adrenaline will validate everything that you're doing, and it will give you the fuel that you need to get through the tough stuff when you really got the nose to the grindstone and you're working your backside off. you know that, That's the kind of stuff that's gonna get you through that. In terms of being a part of a community, I don't think you can ever underestimate that because like I'm the classic guy who thought he knew everything, like in my twenties. <laughs> honestly, that was a complete pain in my twenties. I was like, yeah, life's easy, I've got this. And it's not, life's tough. And despite how much you think you know, despite how much you sit in your studio and stand behind a mic and record and think you're doing the best podcast on the planet, despite how you think your writing is the best ever thing, there is always someone that has either done something better, different, or significantly worse than you. And you need that mix. You need to understand what's going on. You need to be able to go to a community of people and say, listen, Kelly, I'm really struggling. We sat on the same table at the Upreneur meetup, and you really helped me with my new podcast. I knew what the format was going to be, but I didn't know how to pitch it. And you guys, Mike, yourself, and there was a few other guys on the table, really helped me with pitching that. And that, that gave me the foundation of what the next season of the show will be. And I was fine. I could have launched something. I could have launched something that was probably pretty good. But now I know I'm going to launch something excellent because of what you guys did for me. And that, you really can't underestimate that. And I, I think too many people completely underestimate that and they, they <laughs> without a doubt go at the idea that well you know I don't really have time for this I don't have time for a community that's rubbish yeah you had time you have time for school when you're a kid you have time for college when you grow up you have time for an apprenticeship as you get older you just make time for the things that matter and mm-hmm. there is no better education than from learning learning from people who are frankly probably doing things that you never ever thought of and it doesn't matter who you are I, I would challenge anyone to find anyone that they believe is the best at that what they do you know whether it's Tony Robbins whether it's someone like Guy Kawasaki someone like John I challenge you to find someone like that who is not in a peer group who is not in a mastermind who is not part of a community it's the only way to develop you develop collectively much better than you do individually and the point has been proven over and over again and you need a community around you. You, you so need that. You need that so much. And the fun thing that I think with community is that you can kind of build your own. And I don't mean, I don't mean build your own as a, as a community for your service or your product, but listen, you don't have to be a part of a a paid for membership. You don't have to be a part of a paid for community. Yes, they're fantastic, but just go down the gym, just get down to the gym, and I guarantee you that if you go down at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, the guys that are training there are either out of work, and there's a story there, or they're entrepreneurs who have chosen to go at 2 p.m. And you can find people that you would never expect to find just from doing things that you you think are so simple. And you can very soon have your own little four-five person mastermind. You know, if you think about it, like I'm a, I'm a sort of digital guy, a product guy, a marketing guy. Like I don't know about HR, I don't know about, I'm terrible at finance, I'm terrible at uh, all the all the other, like legals, who cares about the legals, but you need all of this stuff. I know that all those guys go to my gym, like genuinely, so I could create a mastermind just around the running machine, as crazy as that sounds, but it's a really weird example, but so many people think that it has to be this rigorous, structured, turn up at networking events and all that kind of rubbish doesn't just build a community around yourself and just get what you need from it but give back what they need and you you will accelerate your growth so so quickly
0: yeah I think it's about intentional isn't it you know for business and for a life where we be intentional and we will see the result very differently so Mark can we Mm -hmm. kind of broaden Mm -hmm. a little bit so as you gone through quite a bit different stages of entrepreneur's life yourself. And we got sometimes a lot of listeners here, they have probably in the different stages of business. Some are just starting up, some are kind of start to build a team, some they are about to expand more. So can you maybe just these three different stages you kind of share with us your tips about what they should pay attention to uh, Mm -hmm. in these three different stages?
2: The first one, the starting of the business is, is so, this is so vitally important. You need to understand that probably no one cares what you're doing, which sounds really awful, but what I mean by that is you can have the best idea for a product, and you think it's the most fantastic product and service on the planet, and then you build the thing. I had an idea for a crisp packet holder that went around a pint glass, and I still think it's a genius idea it's a genius idea. One day I'm I'm going to unleash it on the world, but no one wants it. No one wants it. And that is the biggest problem. Now I I usually say that in that way, because it snaps people to attention. No one cares what you're doing genuinely. And it snaps people to attention because they think, well, of course they do. I care. Yeah. Right. Okay. But no one's going to buy this thing. So the challenge I always think with people starting a business is the focus on the wrong stuff. So what I mean is they focus on, okay, I've got a business, cool, I need to get an office. Wrong, that's money wasted. Number two, I want to get me some business cards, brilliant, well done, you've got no one to give them to. Like I've got about 35,000 in those boxes. There's just, no one wants them, brilliant, okay, I'm going to set up Twitter, what a waste of time, why are you going to do that? Like That's 20 minutes that you could spend on something else because no one cares about your Twitter account. So you do all these things that make you feel busy, that make you feel like you, you are you know, this genuine business person when you're starting up. The thing that you should be focusing on is just talking to people, just talking to actual real-life case studies of people that you think will buy what you are selling, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a video series, go out, find your target market and just say to them, let us I don't know. Let's assume that you are, you're creating some headphones. Talk to people. Okay. Do you listen to music? Yeah, I do. Do you listen on headphones? Yeah. Okay. Tell me about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And just let them talk, you know, let them talk. Do that a whole bunch of times. I'm talking like 200 times. And then just go back and figure out whether the headphones that you were going to create solve a need in the marketplace. Because if not, it's time to move on to something else. So that's the biggest tip that I always give to people starting a business. Because We have so many great ideas. We have so, like my uncle swears blind. He swears blind that he invented the idea of selling alcohol from a shop, like Rhythm and Booze in the UK, which is so ridiculously stupid. He swears by it. And that's the funny thing, like he's had that idea. If he was to set up a shop in my little town here in Barnsley and call it John's Booze, no one would buy from it because no one wants another booth shop and honestly people get it so so wrong and that's why people pivot that's why people change and there's there's this idea that if you and and chris talks about this a lot as well insofar as you've got this you've got an opportunity when you start in business because you've got nothing to lose Mm -hmm. you're not even if even if you're living on savings really you've not got an idea that anyone's precious about you've not got an ego that's going to get bruised you've not got all of the like people strive to have a failure in business why what is the point in that who wants an actual failure Like this idea that failure is the thing that you need to succeed no give me two successes rather than a success and a failure all day long
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and why not ask people early on what they want the beauty of doing that is that when you've really validated what people actually want then you can start to pre-sell this stuff. Like you don't even need a physical thing. Yeah. You can say, we did it with podcast websites. Is there a need? Let's talk to, I don't know, 200 podcasters. Yes, there's a need. Okay, we'll do a webinar. Listen, guys, we're creating this product. It's not ready yet. But look, if you buy it today so that we can use that money to build this thing, we'll give you 50% off this thing for life forever. No questions asked. You are the founding members. Boom, that is it, done. And, you know, you get a pile of sign-ups because people, you're, you're resonating with the problem that people have got. And suddenly you've got a business before you've even got a business. And that's crazy, you know, success almost right off the bat. Um, so that's the biggest thing. You know, you've got to talk to people. Don't assume that the idea that you've got is going to fly because it's probably not going to do to start with. Yeah, um, okay.
0: So for the starting people, we should talk to those people that you think you can serve them with their problem. And then really get the real-life feedback and then maybe then go on to offer them the MVP, the minimum viable product, and see how that goes. So how about for the people they already start for a while, they start to build a team?
2: Yeah, building a team. So building a team is tough because building a team is like an ego thing a lot of the time. Yeah, I've got 10 people working for me. Well well done. Are you making any money? That's a (laughs) real... Honestly, we fall into the trap of the agency before. It's like, ooh, we're a 10-man agency. Forget that. Rather be a four-man agency and earn six times more money. That is the basic fact of business, yeah? But to be honest, you need the right team, and you need to approach the team from the perspective, kind of what I mentioned with the startup. You've got to solve your own problems. So the way that I would I would approach this is that, for me, every single business needs one key performance indicator, one KPI, the single, the one thing that matters in your business. Everything else just fe- either feeds that or is rubbish. So for example, let's assume that you're a software business. You are Evernote, for example, and you're, the only thing that you want is paying users. You want paying users. That is it. That's the single Like on your whiteboards, on the big, big screens that you put in your offices, the number of paying users at any one time should be present. That's the one thing that matters to you, to investors, to partners, to your team. That's the single thing we focus on. And then you've got other metrics that focus into that. Okay, look, we know that our funnel is that for every 10 non-paying customers, e.g. free plan users, we get one paying customer. Mm -hmm. So if we want 1,000 paying customers... We need to put 10,000 non-paying customers into the top. And the reason that I mentioned that, it sounds like I've digressed a little bit, but actually it's, I've said that for a reason. You need to know what team you need to build so that that funnel is effective at every single point. So don't just build a team. Don't get a social media marketing person because you think, well, that's what all the cool kids do. Don't get yourself an office manager because you want someone to take your phone calls. Don't be lazy. You know, don't get if you need a cleaner, get a cleaner, but really just stop being dirty. You know, that's the, that's the idea. Just you've got to just, that's a really weird example, but it's easy to spend (laughs) money on the wrong team. (laughs) Really easy to spend the money on the wrong team. So yeah, for people that are building a business, for people that are scaling a team, start with your single KPI. What's the one measurement in your business that matters and what throughout that funnel, What are the people that you need to enable that to be a success? And that's the team that you need to build. Now, a little sort of proviso with that is that there will be other roles that support other people. So as an example, if you need a marketing manager because you want to focus on a massive acquisition campaign, you are going to need content creators unless you've got a marketing manager that's really varied in their skill set. So you've got to be very careful around If I hire this person now, are they going to have a direct impact on the bottom line within three months or within a month or within six, months? you know, whatever your runways are? Because if not, you probably don't need that person. And it's very easy to fall into the trap of, okay, I'm going to build this cool team. I'm going to build a marketing team. I'm going to build a customer relationship team. No, you know, just work on the funnel and figure out what the funnel needs to be efficient. The team really is just the oil that keeps the machine running. Um, And you've got to find people that you can trust. I want to have holidays. I like holidays. My wife likes holidays. So you've got to be able to step away for two weeks and that business run like a well-oiled machine without you. And if you just focus on building numbers, um, you know, building the number of people, you're going to get that wrong. You've got to solve the problems with the right people. And then you know that you can step away. And you can focus on the business instead of being in the business, which is vital. So, yeah, I hope that's decent advice, actually. No, no, that's, that's
0: great. You know, I think it's when uh, I found myself that, you know, I outsource a lot. But this time for myself, actually, is the first time that I really have not four people in my team. And I found myself that, you know, to really look at the angle of the current uh, season in my business what am I looking for, and, yeah. and and therefore then based on that I go to look for people and also about the team culture thing, right? Because you know I want my brand or the message for me brand just kind of the message in a certain way, and you know I don't want to look for the people that they may be super skilled, but if they don't have the same perspective, then maybe the content be created is. A you know, express a different way as well. That's so, vital.
2: I think. I think that's just to jump in. I think that is completely vital. I think, you know, we um, we focus a heck of a lot. I mean, the agency hacksaw is a brand agency. You know, that is vital. And at podcast websites, we've got a very very specific way of talking to people, and 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 a, and a culture where all we want to do is help people. And you need to imbue people with the same sensibilities that you've got, or at least they've got to have the same willingness to fulfil your ethics where they can then be nurtured into your way of communicating because at the end of the day the brand is at every touch point every experience whether it's meeting you in person or buying something from you or getting a leaflet or hearing a podcast everything has got to speak kelly and that's so people get that wrong and then they wonder in two years time why their their audience doesn't understand anything about them and that doesn't... I, I write my emails in a very specific way. You know, I'm, a, I've got, I'm terrible. I've, I'm a Northern English guy. My language is terrible. So when I do speeches, I spoke at Podcast Movement the other day. Instantly, I'm like on, on the stage and I'm like, I'm swearing. I've got a swear word straight and I'm thinking my mum was going to kill me. I hope she's not watching this. I hate myself. I feel bad. I hope she doesn't tell my gran. I feel really bad. And just... But if I... This sounds really weird, but if I didn't have that weird Northern English attitude that's my brand. If I wrote my emails in a salesy or a a kind of, you know, a more standard way, people would be like, who's written this for Mark? This is rubbish. So yeah, I think the brand is so important and building a culture around that brand where the last thing you want, the the best example I can give is, the worst thing that you can do for your brand is hire someone who, when they're having a bad day, (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Defaults to their basic behavior of answering the phone like a complete tool and putting off a customer now the person with the right brand attitude and the right brand values is going to uphold your brand it doesn't matter what kind of day they're having they will always be this is how we do things so i am here to help you and that that for me is a really good barometer we always do like if we do uh, any internships or if there's any any new employees that are on probationary periods we're like just jump on the phone for a little minute and then like take the battery out of the car and steal the money so that they have a really bad day and just see how they react. You know that's 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 going to be an interesting test for you. Um, we don't do that, by the way. If anyone wants a job, we don't actually do that. But <laughs> stick people on the phones, and you're going to get a real indicator of how they can uphold your brand.
0: Right. I think uh, my former corporate life is in hospitality industry. Uh, you know, involved like Grand Hyatt and Ritz Carlton, you know, the luxury brand. So you know, they have this secret shopper, right? So they will send uh, people come to your hotel, and then to see that, you know, how you react in different situations. So now you mentioned that when people they start to build a team and we mentioned about culture. And I think that's a good way to say uh, on the, the top level of well they are yeah they are spending. then what they need to look for, we kinda of mentioned one element, I think building the culture to instill the culture is important. Is anything else from there, if let's say people they Let's say profit wise uh, or anything structure wise, system wise, uh, do they need to pay some, what, what kind of thing they need to pay attention?
2: Well, I think one of the biggest things is you get bigger. Um, and that's not necessarily bigger in terms of people. It's bigger in terms of maybe user base or bigger in terms of just finances. You know, you, 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 it's very easy for certain people, especially people that are very financially oriented to just get to a certain level of profit and just think well this is all right we'll just tick over doing this and that's rubbish because people are just going to drop off and And i think one of the biggest problems that that i see especially in service industries is that people forget why they do it and it's really cliched you know simon Sinek and all the other good guys are, are do a much better job of this than me but as a especially as a ceo of something like a tech business or or, or a um a service-based business that, that has a team of people. It's very easy to just turn up and think of this as work. And this is what I do. This is my company. I run this thing. But it's very easy to forget that actually you set this company up to solve this problem are we actually still solving this problem or have we become so bloated that we forgot what the what the problem actually is so i think yes of course the culture you need to build a culture of people that want to keep solving that problem but you also need to keep a culture as a as a as an md or as a ceo or as a founder where you've always got an eye on what's actually going on right at the most basic level. Like what is going on? What does this cost us? Are we solving this problem? Actually, how are our users reacting? And a really good example of that, and it's a massive scale example, is someone like Elon Musk. You know, he knows uh, at SpaceX, whether, you know, which any one of his rockets, anyone, whether it's a Falcon, he knows anyone at any one time can tell you all the details around the rocket he can i don't know if there's a fact but he can probably tell you the cost of the components and he can tell you what goes wrong when it goes wrong and he can tell you very specifically why they created the falcon 9 for example you know what problem does that solve and as a ceo you know a a billionaire ceo who is running multi-billion dollar businesses and i think we at this kind of middle level people running smes we forget that Mm. We just get to a scale where we're like, okay, this is good. We're running the business. I've got people to do that for me. Yeah, delegate, get a good team. But don't take your eye off the ball. Don't forget why you set this business up. Don't forget the problem that you're solving. Mm. And more specifically as well, don't, don't allow your complacency or, or or I suppose conversely, your focus on the product or the problem. Don't allow that to stop serendipitous opportunity. Because when you're a small business, when you're a young business, things happen by accident, like serendipity happens. You know, these things, you, a, a contract lands on your doorstep because you end up playing golf with the CEO of a guy of a company who knows a guy who's commissioning something that your company can just about do. That doesn't happen. And, you know, that that is, sorry, that doesn't happen very often. But if you, back to the point earlier around when you're a startup getting out and community and networking, you can force that serendipity a little bit. But the bigger you get, the more, the more up the scale ladder you get, the more you forget to do that, the more you forget to see opportunity. You just rely on contracts and you just rely on the things that you know, where there's all this opportunity that if you just had the conversations, you would, you would still be able to open up these opportunities. And I, I do think whatever kind of business, I've seen so many businesses forget to innovate and forget to take opportunities because they just think that they've got to a certain size and they're not really actually not that innovative. They're not that interested in pushing the boundaries. And, and I think that is going to stop you. And that is, that is the start of the downslope. You know, it might be a 10 year downslope. It might be a five year downslope. The minute you forget that, that's when you start on this downslope, I think. So yeah, again, a bit of a Bit of a rambler, but yeah, I hope that helps.
0: <laughs> no, no. I, I think a lot of people only talk about, oh, that's a build team, how to build mm. a team. But that's why I, I want to ask that question, you know, uh, but very few people talk about what happened after that, right? Mm. What happened after you feel that you have made it? And actually a lot of uh, big failures start happening uh, in that stage. So I'm glad you, you bring it up. And so Mark... Well, so far, if I'm a listener and I listen now, you know, 15 minutes in, I feel you are perfect, that you never made a mistake, that it seems like you are, because you are so experienced. Care to share with us is any embarrassed moment in your journey?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'll I'll sort of tell you the... um... I'll tell you the funny one and I'll, and I'll tell you the, uh, the kind of serious one. So the, <laughs> the funny one generally being a podcaster, you'll sort of resonate with this. And this is just the point when you get, I got um, a guest on who I really, really like, had a really good time with and, you know, continue to talk to now, but a big personal brand, a big name, a big following, a really decent guest for the show. And we'd spend ages scheduling this interview back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, um, we got to the interview and we got 20 minutes in having a really good session. And the my wife unplugged the iron in, in one of the other rooms. She was ironing and she unplugged the iron. It blew the entire house. So we lost all the interview. I lost all the connection. I lost everything. And I was just like, well, that was embarrassing. So that's like my most embarrassing moment as a podcaster, which was fun. Um, oh, no. Yeah, that was terrible. Honestly. Oh.
0: That
2: was ter- I've had the dog barking. I'm surprised he's not barked today. He's crazy. Oh.
0: Um, you yeah, know, today, actually before you, we talk, I ask my kids to bring my laboratory out of the door.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. I've got a, a big old stupid white dog called Pete, and he really is like, really, like dumb. And he um, likes barking at everything. If anyone comes from anywhere near the house, like I'm talking within like three mile, he's barking. He's, can doing he's doing his job
0: he's doing his job
2: yeah well you say that the funny thing is that if anyone walks in if i walk in and he doesn't know it's me he just stays asleep he doesn't care if anyone comes into the house he's just get off the grass um so he's yeah he's, he's a funny dog but he <laughs> all the time and that happens all the time on podcasts if you listen back to like my 150 interview episodes that i did volume one of excellence expected yeah he'll hear the dog he's fine He's pretty chilled. So, that's it's not an embarrassing story because I've kind of got used to it now. But, um, no, the serious story, which is it's not embarrassing, but it's, it speaks to this whole why bother having a failure. Yeah. So, I, I run a business down from having, you know, plenty of money in the bank to having like 60 quid in the bank and no staff. That was it. I, you know, I ran it, I ran it from doing well down to nothing because i I'd completely messed it up, completely made a mess of it. And that was a long, long time ago. I'm talking, you know, 10 years ago now. And it was, that was a massive learning curve. That was that's my biggest, entire biggest mess because I focused on the wrong thing and that's why I speak about setting the Twitter accounts up and getting the business um, business cards and doing all the things that make you feel like a business person when actually you're not doing any business. You know, and that, that is a real lesson. I learned that when I was very young. Thank the Lord that I learned that very young um, because if I hadn't done, I, I don't know what I'd be doing now. Who knows? So yeah, that's a lesson. Everyone should learn that.
0: Okay, so now you have a new, you guys have a new appreciation that why Mark is so passionate about to share what you just shared, you know, from the beginning of this podcast. So, Mark, the last question is what is the one godly MBA moment for you? Meaning the moment that you realize your business is way beyond just a business.
2: Yeah, again, another good question, really good question. I like this one. Um, Do you know, it's, it's a weird one to pinpoint. I think the realization. So, one of my goals when I was when I was younger was that when I got older, to the point that I wanted to have kids, and I've not got kids yet because the dogs just way too much maintenance. <laughs> I got.
0: That's a good excuse, huh?
2: <laughs> it is a very good excuse, actually. Yeah. I think we've got got a bit of time yeah. <laughs> here. Um, but one of my my big things was just I knew I I knew I'd get bored in work, and I knew that I didn't like working for people. Like I struggle with people generally that are like authority figures but shouldn't really be so i knew that i'd struggle with that all my life so I quit the job got a got a, a, a business set up. one of the goals when i set that up was so that at the point that i had kids there was no one ever going to be able to tell me well you can't pick the kid up you can't drop the kid off because you've got to be at work and actually we work nine to five so you can't pick him up at 3 30 or you can't go to the whatever the football practice or the choir or see him in a play because well you can't book any annual leave off and that that to me is just completely just a prison. Um, and one of my goals was, the main goal was to never be like that. And I th- I'd always strive towards that. And then about four or five years ago, I can't remember what, what I was doing. I think it was just nice weather. And I got in my car at like 1 p.m. And I was just thought to myself, you know what? Well, I'm just going to just do whatever I fancy. I'm just going to go play golf or I'm going to do whatever. And I was driving there. I just realized, wait a second, this is the thing. This is the thing. This is the goal achieved because no one told me that i couldn't do it and by doing it i'm not damaging the business i'm not letting people down i'm not chained to anything no one is worried that i'm not there no one's telling me off for not being there like this is the goal achieved and that's when i realized that it was it's much more than about just turning up and doing the job and delivering what people want it's about developing that life that you want for yourself and when you realize that you realize that it becomes much more than a business. It just becomes what you do. And, uh, yeah, I think that was probably the moment for me, actually, which uh, I don't really think about very often. But, yeah, that, that's that got to be it.
0: And may I kind of add a little bit more? Actually, so if when one day, hopefully soon, uh, we will see those cutie, cutie pie photos from your Facebook somewhere. <laughs> Let's say uh, when the day it comes that you become a father and you can... Spend the time, whatever you want, with your son or daughter. And so they will not become those kids that, you know, the parents are absent because they are have nine to five. Mm-hmm. You actually have generational impact.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's that's a, And that's a really good point. Again, I've never really thought of that. I love the idea of teaching, not just my kids, but and I, t- I talk in schools on this, I talk in college, and the teachers hate it because they're always like, well, what um, what tips have you got for the kids leaving school? And I'm just... Like don't get a job, never get a job. And do you know what? If anyone tells us that you need to be somewhere between nine and five, tell them that they're wrong. Like that is just don't do that. And the, the teachers are just all thinking, why have we brought this idiot in? Um, but it resonates with the kids because generations, you know, now the kids don't want that. They want freedom. You know, we're a the, the millennial generation. We're all about fulfillment. And the, the next generation, you know, the kind of digital generation, they're not only about fulfillment, but they're all about freedom of working and where, being where they want to work and, you know, earning earning money from wherever they are and having the lifestyle that they want. And, yeah, I love the idea of doing that and telling people that this is, like, you have options, you know? Just, you have options.
0: Yeah, of course, on the flip side of that, we all know that it's not necessary everybody's, you know, born mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs because, you know, we are kind of a rare breed. You know people some people they probably will not take this this route or this route i have to be careful now i have to say british (laughs) way or the american way
2: i'm so british you can say everything british (laughs) (laughs) okay
0: but thank you thank you so much marva today this is a precious time out of your busy schedule and you know you gave us so much value and i'm really grateful
2: Oh, it's a real pleasure, Kelly. I'm looking forward to tracking what you're doing. You're doing really good work. I'm, uh, I'm immensely pleased to see that you're doing so well with it.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I trust you have enjoyed this episode as much as I did. For today's show notes and Mars chat list, please visit katiebother.com forward slash zero two six. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We know you have given us your most valuable treasure, your time, and we don't take lightly. We truly appreciate it. Please go to kellybother.com forward slash review and leave us your honest thoughts on iTunes for us so my team and I can continuously produce valuable content for you. Again, all the goodies we mentioned during the show and my free gift to you is at katiebarler.com. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode.
1: Welcome to The Godly MBA, Marketing Beyond Ambition. This is the only podcast that will share and teach actionable and biblical marketing strategies to empower you, the value-based business owners and Christian entrepreneurs. Learn to communicate your message effectively in this noisy world so you can finally earn more, serve more, and give more. Now, here is your host, Kelly Botter.